0: All right, I'm excited today. We're continuing in the book of Nehemiah. I love this book. This is the book for every church that wants to get excited about what God is doing. Let me ask you a question, Church. Are you excited about what God's doing in this house? All right, that's what I love to hear. Now here's the thing. You're sitting there going, now, ah, but what's my part of this? What can I do? Well, last week, we talked about it, the goldsmith, the perfumers. The women got involved in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Everybody has a part to play in what the church does. Even if you can't design PowerPoints, and even if you can't sing, you can come, you can invite friends, you can pray. Let me tell you, today you're gonna see in these scriptures, prayer is the most powerful thing that you can do. If you say, I can't stand in front of people, I am too shy. That's okay. I've got enough boldness for all of us. If you say, but I don't have computer skills, or I don't have music skills, that's okay. You can say, I have limited physical ability. I am not physically strong. I can't go on a mission trip and build churches and build buildings. That's okay. Because one thing that all of us can do is we can open up the computer, as Brother Doty said, we can take that prayer list, and we can say, Lord... As long as I have life in me, I am going to pray for every person on this list, and I'm going to add some names of my neighbors, of my classmates at school, and I am going to be a temple of prayer. And if this church needs a covering, I'm going to be that covering. You're going to find this today, the journey home. We're in the book of Nehemiah talking about swords and trowels, swords and trowels, two completely different things. What are swords used by? Swords are used by soldiers, they're used by professional military men to protect and to attack. Don't worry about that, it's gonna come up sooner or later. Now what's a trowel used for? Anybody here ever built a building? Anybody here ever worked with bricks? All right, then you know what a trowel is used for. A trowel is used for mixing and applying mortar to bricks, to cement them together. These are two completely different things, yet they are part of what God is doing in our church. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. That's where we're going to begin today. What do swords and trials have to do with our church? They have to do with you, believer. They have to do with you, Christian, member of GGCF. They have to do with how you approach your life. One thing you have to know, in this life, From the time you wake up in the morning, until the time you lay your head on the pillow, you have to be battle ready. Can I ask you a question? Are you battle ready today? Are you ready to get into a spiritual fight, not only for your life, for the lives of your family, for the life of your church, but for the life of your community? Are you ready to get into that fight? Nehemiah 14 through 17. Listen to the word of the Lord. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles. The officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them, of the enemy. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their schemes and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to our own work on the wall. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. May God bless this to your understanding. Here's the thing. This is an interesting picture. Typically when you see soldiers, soldiers are only committed to the job of being a soldier. But these are regular, ordinary people. Have you ever thought of yourself of doing two things at one time? Now, ladies... You know that women are good at multitasking, right? Just say amen. Amen. Men know that we can't multitask. We're doing good if we can tie our shoes and then, you know, breathe at the same time. Most men can't walk and chew gum. We just, we don't do two things at one time. We like to focus on one thing. Hence, we're either building or we're soldiering. But here, God calls us to be multitaskers, to be involved in. Take a look at this. He made an inspection of the work. Remember, they had repaired everything to half its height, and everybody was getting nervous, right, church? Remember that from last week? They're getting nervous because half the wall is up. I told you, when half the work is done, that's when you're in trouble. What's today? Why is today so important? You're right, because today we're going to finish our Constitution and bylaws. We're going to finish the last three pages that tell us how we do the stuff behind the scenes that make the church work. Why is it so important that we are here today to do that work? Let me tell you why it's important. Because the wall's half done, church. And when the wall's half done, that's when the devil likes to unchain on people. That's when he loves to get in our business. We need to finish this work of the bylaws. You know why? After we finish the work of the bylaws, we get on to the tough work. Selecting deacons. Those men who will serve this church. We're going to get about the job of getting the council in place. What's the council's job? To help the church get its job done. You see, here's the thing. It seems like for a while we've been kind of swimming, or we've been people in a rowboat, but we've been rowing with only one row, with only one oar. So we've been going in a circle. But it's time for us to go forward. And to do that, we need to finish up those bylaws so that we can go forward. Also, we need to get a budget for next year, Amen. If we're going to do missions work, if we're going to do outreach work, if we're going to touch lives for Jesus Christ, we need a budget that we can work with. But we can't do that till the bylaws are done and until our council's in place, until our deacons are ready to go. This is a critical time, church. We need to finish up the walls and move forward. So today, we're just going to have a real quick lunch, and then we're going to jump into this business. Brother, Brother Lenny and I have looked. Two hours, we can finish this whole thing. Two hours, if we are working together of one mind and one heart, we can finish today. And it's important. After I made an inspection, he said, I stood up and said to the nobles, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of what's happening around us. Everything in our lives seems to rise up at the same time, right? Either trouble at work or trouble in our personal life, trouble in our spiritual life. You say to to me, you pastor, I can't even get up in the morning and pray. Well, okay, if you're having trouble praying, that's because the devil's working against you. That means you're dangerous. And if you're dangerous, you need to redouble those efforts. You need to be a man or a woman of prayer. You say, but I don't even read my Bible. Well, you need to get up, open that word before you have your Wheaties and your corn checks, and you need to read the word, even if it's for only 10 or 15 minutes. Because the 10 or 15 minutes you put into your mind is going to reinforce you against the lies of the devil. Also, the lies of deceitful men who tried to tell you that certain things are okay. In our Bible study last night, we talked about some of the lies that you see in tv preachers and there's a lot of lying tv preachers out there but they tell you things in such a way if you don't know the word of god you're going to be deceived and i don't want you to be deceived i want you to know instantly whoops that's wrong i was watching a tv show with josh last night and josh and i are sitting there being men you know how men are when they watch tv right they sit kind of slouch on the couch and they have their soda here and they have their checks mixed over here and we're stuffing our faces and we're grunting at each other you know being men and the show comes on and says, and this dinosaur, which lived 65 million years ago, was this long. And I said, what? That's a lie. And I looked at Josh and I said, Josh, do you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait a second. You're in the pastor's house. Here he goes. I go into preaching mode. So tell me, Josh, what happened to the dinosaurs? Well, you see, a meteor fell to earth and then all this dust went up and choked out the sun. And for thousands of years, there was no sun in those and there was said, I'm like, wait a second, son." Can you think of any other explanation? Think about this, son. Okay, you got billions of dead things under a layer of ocean sand like it was covered by water. Where have you heard that before? He says, I don't know. I said, how about Noah in the ark? Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. We should all be equipped instantly to know that there are so many lies on television. I, I trained my daughter to know. No such thing as millions of years. There's no need for it. But we need to train ourselves to see those lies coming. Don't be afraid of scientists and the history channel, and all these things. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. Here's the interesting thing. Everyone thinks of God as this great big grandfather who kind of winks at sin and says, that's okay, boy, you'll grow out of it. No, he's not. That's not how God is. God says, what are you doing, son? What are you thinking? Here's the thing awe-inspiring means this frightening or full of dread when we come to the holiness of God we need to realize God is not somebody you want to mess with we need to tell the world yes God is love God is grace can you say amen somewhere in there God is mercy God is restoration but you know what God is also judgment God did not send his son to die on the cross so you could pick and choose your way to heaven you either accept Jesus Or you go to hell. I hate to tell you that that doesn't make me happy to say that But you know what if the Bible says it that settles it, honey, and we go on from there, right? So here's the thing God is not a person you can take or leave. It's one way only Jesus is the only way to heaven without him You don't get in even if you're a good person a nice person you get to charity and you don't kick your dog You don't go to heaven without Jesus. That's what it says. He says, remember the great and awe-inspiring God, this God who brought you out of Egypt, this God who's brought you through captivity for 70 years. He he gave a timetable for your deliverance, and he kept the timetable. He sent you back. He's giving you the strength to rebuild the walls. He's kept your enemies at bay. This is not a God that you want to take lightly. This God will fight for you. He says, now fight for your countrymen, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. We fight believers in prayer. Our fighting, our battling begins in our prayers for our wives and our children and our husbands and our sisters and our brothers and our families. But it doesn't end in prayer. Prayer is not enough. Do you know how we battle for the truth? We battle for the truth when a TV show says, 65 billion years ago when this dinosaur lived We say, no, that's a lie. Because the word of God says, it wasn't that long ago. Heck, even science says it wasn't that long ago. You realize that? Most brands of science that study magnetic fields of the sun and of the earth, that study the salt content of the oceans, all say that the earth cannot be more than 10,000 years old. Why do scientists say millions of years? Easy, because evolution, this dream, this, this phantom called evolution doesn't work. In 10,000 years, it needs millions of years of shooting the craps of eternal dice to make it happen. That's why they need millions of years, because their flawed theory doesn't work in the reality of only a few thousand years. You ever thought about that? That's how you defend. That's how you're battle ready. You know your Bible. You know how to defend it, how to step up and say this is the truth. That's why Bible study is so important. Psalms 33, 8 says this, Let all the earth fear, be filled with dread, of Yahweh. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. The world needs to know that there is only one God, and He is absolutely holy, and He only accepts people one way, through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. Now, I'm willing to bet that there are a few folks in here right now who do not believe me. Guess what? It's America. You're allowed not to believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. There is one way to heaven. It's Jesus. Without him, you will not make it into heaven, and there's only one other alternative. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral place. I know we're supposed to be seeker-sensitive in our modern culture, but it's not nice to tell somebody, who is in danger of their life, oh, by the way, you're okay, just, just take your own time, take your own pace, you know? and if they die without Jesus, they're gone. It's more loving to be honest and tell people the truth. He goes on, when our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and who frustrated it? Did Nehemiah frustrate the scheme of the enemy? When they knew that God had frustrated it. This word frustrated means to bring something to nothing. You see, we can't bring the schemes of the devil to nothing, but God can through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you believe that every problem in your family and in your life can be overcome by the working of the Holy Spirit? If you believe that, say amen. If you don't believe that, God help you, because I don't know what you're going to do. Psychiatry has been around for hundreds of years. You know what? It doesn't help. Drugs have been around for 100 years and it's amazing how many of the little purple pills they make these days for people who are having, I saw a commercial. This was amazing. Do you have trouble getting up in the morning? Take this pill. Do you have trouble sleeping at night? Take this pill. Do you have trouble talking to your wife? Take this pill. <laughs> uh, what, the, what is that? Why is, it, why is it that the pharmaceutical companies market a pill for everything? Now, here, I'm, I'm here to tell you, There are legitimate reasons why people take medication. I served in a military church where virtually everybody in the church had been a combat veteran, and there were a lot of guys that were on medication for PTSD. And believe me, when they didn't take it, you didn't want to be around them. These guys could be warm and wonderful one day, but if they missed that PTSD medication, they would get crazy on you because they couldn't control what had happened to them. And you know what? When that happens to you, that's a legitimate reason to medicate yourself. But if you medicate yourself just because you had a bad day, if you medicate yourself because your husband won't give you a Gucci purse, if you medicate yourself just because your wife won't let you buy a third Jaguar, that's no reason to be popping pills. It's a reason to get back in the word of God and get straight, amen? so god has brought to nothing this council it means he's busted up their plans satan's plan is to keep you asleep and i am here by the power of god to bust up your sleep and wake you up consider this james 4 says this come now you who say today and tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit that's every businessman's dream right I'm going to go to this place, I'm going to set up a business, I'm going to make some money, I'm going to get wealthy, and I'm going to come back, right? Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's the truth. People disappear off the face of the earth every day. And I'm not talking 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds. I'm talking 20-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 30-year-olds. A brain aneurysm can take your life in an instant. We had a friend of ours, her brother was a marathon runner. This guy was in perfect physical condition. He was trim, he was lean, he was muscular. There wasn't two ounces of fat on that boy's behind. He was that muscular, and he ran marathons all the time. You know what happened? He went out for a daily run, his brain exploded, and he died. You can die no matter how skinny and healthy you are. Because your life is but a mist, but a vapor. That's why you don't play with eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are nowhere near saving grace. And that's something that all of us need to consider. It says this also For you are like a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is God's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is you, boasting your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. To believe that you have tomorrow to live is a bad fantasy. You need to live today like it's the last day God gave you to get straight or the last day God gave you to testify to that coworker, or the last day God gave you to call that lost family member and tell them they need Jesus. This is your day to do that because this is the only day you get. When I say you need to be battle ready, the samurai warriors of Japan had an interesting code. It's called Bushido. And one of, the bushi- one of the aspects of Bushido was this. I am a dead man. I go into battle knowing that I will die and I do not expect to come back. Therefore, I can fight without fear because I'm already dead. Okay, the samurai were messed up in the head, but that's their own fault. Here's the thing they got right. You need to consider every day to be your last. And whatever it is you want to do, you need to do it today for the Lord. What you need to do, today- Whatever you need to speak into someone's life, That girlfriend, you need to tell her about Jesus, you need to do it today because tomorrow you may wake up dead. Now that's good for you because you'll be with the Lord. That's bad for her because she won't hear about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Being battle ready is knowing that what you're going to do, you need to do it right now. You need to have that off your conscience. Don't say, I'll talk to my sister next week or next month. I'll talk to my brother when I see him again in the spring. No. You need to pick up that phone. Hey, sis, I need to tell you something. I've been meaning to tell you for a long time, you know, this thing you say about Jesus, there's no God, there is. And I need you to know that if you died right now, you'd be in a lot of trouble. That's how you're battle ready. That's how you defend the women and the children in your family. Now, notice this. He goes on to say this. Every one of us returned to our own work on the wall, and from that day on, half my men did their work while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. There are some of you that are going to go on a mission trip this summer. Amen? I see you're not going. Okay. (laughs) There are some people either in this church or in the revolution who are going to be going on a mission trip. They talked about it on Thursday night. Here's the thing. Some of you can go and do that work. And some of you can stay here and pick up the swords and the shields and the bows and the lances of prayer, and you can prepare a path for them. You can pray protection for them. You can make their work more successful by entering into combat where you are. Charles Hans Spurgeon was a great preacher. You know how I know he's a great preacher? Great big fat man, kind of receding hairline. White guy in England. Looked a lot like somebody I know, except he had a beard. Anyways. They asked Spurgeon, Brother Spurgeon, what is the secret of your success? Why are you so good in the pulpit? He says, you're deceived, my friend. I am not good in the pulpit. God's word is good. If you have good material, you can't go wrong. He says, then what is the secret of your success? He says this. If you look where Brother Spurgeon preached, he had to go up a set of stairs to a platform that stood out over the congregation. Underneath where he stood to preach, there were a dozen chairs, You know who sat in the dozen chairs a dozen deacons you know what the dozen deacons did they were facing the congregation and they were praying god's grace over the congregation that their ears would be open that their hearts would be receptive they were not praying for him they were praying for the congregation that they might hear the word of god that's the secret to the success that he had he says these men are praying that god's word would be heard and that god's spirit would be effective that's the secret it's in prayer And you see, those who do the work, yes, it's great to be a pastor or a Bible study teacher or a missionary. That's wonderful. But the prayer support behind it makes it possible. See, they still had low places in the wall. Jerusalem still had broken down areas. And these men who are working, they're bent over. They can't see the enemy coming. But the guy back here with the bow, he's watching for the enemy. He's waiting for them to stick their heads up so he can take their heads off. He's going to protect the workers doing the work. That's what prayer is. If you want about prayer, you think about this passage. I like this too. It says, the laborers who carried their loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. There were those men who were carrying bricks, and they would carry a load of bricks over one shoulder, and they would carry a knife or a spear in the other hand so they could defend themselves if they were attacked. Always we need to be in prayer for ourselves as well as in prayer for others, that we would be ready when our opportunity comes to share the gospel. Because you know what? I'm only one man. But I can't be everywhere. I can't be in your school, and I can't be in your workplace, and I can't be in that group of friends that you have. But you know what? You can be there. And you can do that work. You can pray for yourself. You can carry the sword of the word into that, and you can get the job done. Amen? Amen? Let's press on. Nehemiah 4, 18 through 23. Now, you see, if you're battle ready, you need to have your ears wide open. Ears wide open. Look what it says. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out, and we are separated far from one another along the wall. This is this church. We are spread all the way from Chapel Hill all the way over to other places, you know? Whether you're in Morrisville or, or you're up wherever, Wake Forest, you know, or down in Cary, we're spread out. Amen, church? We are, we are spread wide. So he's talking about us. He says, whenever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us here. Our God will fight for us. So we continue the work while half the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. Quick note, no Middle Eastern people work after sundown. Why? Because when the sun goes down in the desert, it goes down like a brick. It's down. It's dark. You can't see in the dark. And they didn't have electric lights back in the day. So for them to work until the stars came out, that means they went above and beyond the call of duty. They worked even into the dangerous hours of the night when all they had to see by was torches. That's how dedicated they were to getting the job done. You say, but I work all day. I get up in the morning, I get the kids out. After that, I clean the house. After this, I do this. And after this, I do this. And the only time I have to myself is when I put my lousy husband to bed and I sedate the children and I have 30 minutes to myself. Well, good. 10 minutes of that, you can pray. I'm not going to give y'all any off today. There has to be a time during the day when you can say, I have 10 minutes to go through my prayer list and lift up the names of people who are fighting cancer, People who are fighting marriage problems, people who are fighting work issues, who don't have jobs, who have other things that are happening to them, recovering from injuries, recovering from surgery. You have to know that there's a time when you can step up and pray. Now, you may not be able to be here on Tuesday nights when we pray, but you know, if you're at home, I've sent an email. If you're at home at 630 to 730, pick up the prayer list and pray. And join your voices to ours. Now, we're blessed here. We get to pray for all the newest concerns, and we get to pray for the person to the left and to the right of us. That's a privilege. It's a privilege to put your hand on a brother's shoulder and pray for that man by name and pray for something he has shared that day. That's a privilege. But you know what? If you're in a Bible study, you need to have a prayer list for your Bible study. Things that you don't want to share with the whole church, maybe things you're embarrassed to share with the whole church, but things that you can share with each other in the intimacy of that prayer group, and you can share it there and you can pray for it there. That's important, church. It really is. It says, at that time, I also said to the people, let everyone and his servant spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I, my brothers, my men, and the guards with me never took our clothes off. Each carried his weapon even when washing himself. Do you see how desperate the situation was in Jerusalem? They were in constant fear of attack. Let's look at this. So every builder had his sword strapped around his waist he was building, but he calls forth a trumpeter. He says, Nehemiah says, you, trumpet master, come here. Does anyone know what trumpets were used for in the Israeli culture? Okay, trumpets were used in battle On the walls of Jericho. They, they trumpeted and the walls came down. Trumpets were used in battle to sound attack and retreat. But trumpets had an even deeper meaning. I had a professor once, and he was lecturing on uh, Hebrew history. He says, if you look at every time trumpets are used in a ceremony, the trumpet has this meaning. It is calling for God's attention. He said the trumpeter was the one who was saying Lord see your people Lord. We need you Lord pay attention That's what happened in Jericho. They were calling God to fulfill his word to bring down the walls The trumpets sounded to call the Lord and the walls came down. Amen When a prayer concern goes out and I've sent out a couple things Y'all if you open it just go ahead take 30 seconds and pray for it right then and there Because if you ask me to pray for you, most likely I will pray for you right then and there. You know why I do that? Because if I don't, I'll forget. I have the memory span of a flea, okay? A lot of damage up here. I get the memory span of a flea. If you tell me your name five seconds later, it's gone. That's just how it goes with me. And I'm fighting it, but it's all right. If you say pray for me, I'll pray for you right then and there. That way, if I remember you later, I'll pray for you again. If not, I'm covered. You know what I mean? When you see a need, pray for it. When someone says, can you pray for me, pray for him right then and there. If You want Jay to pray for you, say, Jay, pray for me. Jay's going to go, cool, let's pray right now. That's how you do it, Jay. You pray for him right then and there so that they know you're actively involved in their life. This says when the trumpeter sounds, you rush to wherever the trumpet sounds. That was the way of marshalling the forces, bringing everybody together. A call for prayer is a trumpet call for us to lift up our weapons and fight the good fight. You know what I mean? And if you have a need in your life, you can send out an email to the whole church and say, Church, something just happened to my family. I need you to pray for me. My sister was in a car accident. Or my brother just lost his job. Or this just happened over here. Please pray for me. And everybody stops and prays. And it's just like assembling together. It's just like coming together. Tuesday nights are a trumpet call to prayer. Sunday morning is a trumpet call to worship. That's why we come. We come to worship God, to bask in his glory, to see his goodness, to hear his revelation of himself to us. God wrote us this word so that we would know what he has done because that is who he is. He is the God who intervenes. and That is why it is so powerful. Rally to us. God will fight for us. That has been the... I'll take it back, Exodus 14. This is amazing. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. Stop and look at those three things. First, fear not. Because what does fear do? Fear paralyzes. Fear causes us to run, right? When we're afraid, we run away. We hide. Look what he says next, stand firm. When the enemy shows his face, don't be filled with fear, but stand firm. Don't run. If the egyptians are chasing you and you have your back to the ocean you need to stop being afraid and stand still and look what he says and see the salvation of yahweh god not your own courage not your own bravery not your own luck i once heard a believer say i'm such a lucky man and i was so glad somebody else said it not me they said you are not lucky you are blessed get over yourself I love that person. That was just a wonderful statement to make. There's no such thing as luck. There is God's intervention in your life. Amen? And God intervenes in your life every day. You ever been faced with somebody and they need help and suddenly a scripture comes to your mind? That's not because you spent hours memorizing it. That's because God blessed you with what you needed at the time you needed it. That's how we can all stand. 11 Luke says, Take no thought what you will say in the day they haul you before the Sanhedrin because the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. That's not an excuse for a lack of preparation. But it is a comfort that as much preparation as you do, God will always rise to the occasion that you need him in. I mean, I think this is absolutely amazing. It says, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. And that's where prayer is so important. When you are faced with a situation you cannot handle, don't weep, don't moan, don't go to the bottle, put the pills down, and be silent before the Lord and see his deliverance. Think about it. In our modern culture, we sedate, we prescript, we do all of these things to ease anxiety. The number one condition treated in America today is anxiety. Did you know that? The number one problem with junior high students is Anxiety. What do junior high students have to be anxious about? Okay, tests, yes. But apart from that, what is this anxiety that is gripping? What is this fear that's taking over our people? It's a fear because we have forgotten that God is holy and God can do anything he has promised. And he never abandons his people who will, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. It's all there in black and white. And that's why these, these verses right here in Nehemiah, they scream the exodus. They scream the deliverance of the Red Sea. It's what it's all about. And what else, too? What's that payoff? What do we get from all this? You know, so he says, whenever you, whenever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us, our God will fight for us. And even if they have to work until the stars come out, what's all that for? Why do we say, let everyone spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by the day. He put him in Jerusalem for what reason? Safety. You know why? Somebody once asked me a question Pastor, can I worship God anywhere? I said, Yes, apart from an adult bookstore, yes. I, I happen to know the guy, so I know what his problem was. And um, he said, Well, can't I worship God while fishing in a stream? I said, Yes. He says, Can I do that for my Sunday worship? I said, No. He said, Why? I said because your strength is not found in you alone when the scripture says that iron sharpens iron you're only the iron where's the iron that's sharpening you it's not going to be a fish or a tree or or a hunting rifle that's not going to sharpen you that's not going to hold you accountable that's not going to get you going see we stay in the church we stay in our Bible studies we stay in our prayer groups why? Because in there is safety, in there is true doctrine, in there is the inspiration to move forward. If we are by ourselves, we can come up with really weird ideas of who God is and what God wants and what God thinks is okay. But when you're exposed to true believers, when you're exposed to the word, when you're exposed to people of faith and commitment, you cannot hold false doctrine because somebody will say, now wait a second, the Bible says and that ends all the speculation. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know exactly what I mean. Consider this, and then we're done. Psalm 27, 4 and 5. One thing have I asked of Yahweh that I will seek after. This is the thing that the psalmist says, this is the thing I want from God. Now, what's he going to ask for? Is he going to ask for a gold-plated Cadillac? Is he going to ask for a ten mansion? 10 mansions? Is he going to ask for a billion dollars? Is he going to ask for diamonds and rubies and women? What's he going to ask for? One thing have I asked of Yahweh that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life To gaze upon the beauty of Yahweh and to inquire in his temple For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent He will lift me high upon a rock That's what we're supposed to seek in prayer. That's what we're supposed to seek in church then we might be in a place where God's word is lifted up, where we can sing his praises together, where we can worship together, we can be confronted with who he is together. It's important to be in church, because in church, all of your ideas that you come up with during the week are confronted and challenged and answered by God's word. Take any little group of people that drift off into nowhere, and they have some leader that thinks they have a revelation from God, and you will find people that get trapped in complete weirdness but be in a church where the Word of God is taught clearly and distinctly without any changes without consideration for culture or anything else and that's where you see people grow and become strong and people will be attracted to that because the whole world is is filled with hungry people they want truth and there's not a lot of truth out there church but you know what you are the truth you are the truth that they will see Your life of integrity, your life of worship, your life of prayer, you're the one they're going to look at and say, That's what a believer looks like. That's who I want to be like because that's who knows Jesus. Is that what you want for your life? Then understand this every day for the rest of your life, you're going to be at war. You have an enemy, the devil, who is after you to pervert you, change you, drag you down. And you have to say, You know what? No matter what it costs me, Wayne. I am going to stand upon this word. I will not back down. I will not change, even if it costs me everything I have. And in many countries around the world, it has cost people their lives. 300,000 Christians were murdered last year just because they were Christians. 300,000 believers died because they were believers, murdered for their Christian faith. You know it's true it happens all the time throughout the world America is just isolated we're sort of put off in a corner we don't know what's happening we haven't seen the truth but those days are coming and they're coming here to this country All right, let's finish this thing up so are you ready are you guys ready to pick up the sword and the trowel and to get to work one is your sword at hand last night my challenge to the Bible study was this you're gonna study this and it's gonna take time it's gonna take effort your leaders are gonna to have to put in the study and the preparation, and it doesn't come easy. Any of us who've ever done any school work outside of high school, I can't remember high school, it's kind of fuzzy, but anyways, any, any kind of work after high school, you know what it takes. It takes sitting down, opening the book, and studying, and remembering, and applying it to your life. Is your sword ready to use? Some of us have rusty swords. We have swords on our tables, that have not been touched in 5 or 10 or 20 years. We We have not wielded it. We don't know the weight of it. We don't know how it feels in our hand. We don't know how to use it. There are people that have been given swords, and they don't know how to use them. That's what church is. This is a battleground. This is where we train you. This is what Bible study is for, to train you how to use that word that will preserve your life and set others free from their bondage. Two, are you listening to the Spirit's call? Do you know you're being called to prayer? Do you know you're called to stand up and give a testimony? Do you know that you're being called to stand apart from the world and be someone different? Do you know you're being called to battle? Do you know that? And third, are you ready to respond to the call? If the trumpet call comes out today for prayer, are you ready to pray? If the trumpet call comes out to go and intercede for somebody or to sit with somebody, someone in grief, or to stand beside someone who's going through hard times or to visit someone who's going through surgery. You know, Sister Joanne's going through surgery on Tuesday. So everyone today needs to be praying for Joanne. Everyone tomorrow needs to be praying for Joanne, both before and after the surgery. Lord, first, Lord, let let, let the doctor be sane and sober. After surgery, Lord, heal heal the, the wounds and make her whole and well again. And that will be our prayer for her. Until she tells us, God has delivered me, I am whole and well, and everything is good. Then we can pray, Lord, thank you, because you are a good God, you brought our sister through. That's what it's about, church. It's about you taking responsibility for your job in the church. Because it ain't about me, and it ain't about my wife, it's not about Bible study leaders. it's about every one of us rising to the occasion, amen? Well, Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Father God, thank you for so many warriors and builders and soldiers that you have raised up in this church, Father God. And we're going to get a hold of prayer, Lord. We're going to get a hold of prayer and we're going to be strong. And Father God, we're going to take that list and in Jesus' name, we're going to apply it. We're going we're to lift it up. We're going to lift up each person. We're going to see that person and encourage them personally. And Father, we just want to be involved in this work of finishing up the walls of our church. God, I ask today for your grace. And your mercy as we go through the last three pages of our bylaws God give us a, a congenial spirit give us a joyful heart help us to do this work to set the foundation of our church father God so that we can go forward and selecting our council and selecting our deacons and getting our budget and doing the things that are necessary father God to continue the ministry and the outreach of GGCF Lord I pray today that there's someone here today someone in this place that does not believe your word That does not believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Father God, convict them right now of that wrong belief. And Father God, I pray right now that there's anybody in this place that needs to come to Jesus, that they will not leave this place until they've taken my hand and until we have prayed and seen them birthed into the kingdom. And Father God, I know that you are at work right now in every life, convicting. Father God, you're showing us our workplace You're convicting us to pick up our sword and to polish it and to begin to use it and to get the weight of it and the feel of it and that, Lord, we're going to do that so that we can give you the honor and glory that you deserve and so that when the spirit call comes, we can respond either as those who build the wall or those who stand as the prayer cover behind. Father, I thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.